as of recording this, like a month ago, a study was published that says that we are actually more social than allistics. I think that's true. But oh, again, well, obviously there's a study that yeah, agrees yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but due to the fear of rejection, well, we learn early on that uh, people won't like us, so we become hermits. And that's why the allistics think that we're non-social because we don't socialize in the way that they want us to. Episode 31, Chess is Autistic. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. Autistica. Well, hey, Matt. Hey, how are you? I am doing great. Today, we are going to talk about why chess is such an important part of autistic culture. So I want to start off by asking you, how well do you know chess? <laughs> I have no idea what your answer is. Uh, well, uh, let's see here. I've got maybe eight or nine different chess sets. And oh. uh, I used to play chess with my kids in the middle school and the high schools, one of the greatest kids I've ever known uh, is the only person that I could not win uh, because he was so good. Beat me every single time. One of my favorite kids ever. So bright. And I, I was delighted to play him and watch him crush me in two or three moves sometimes because he just had oh. a brain that could make that happen. Um, oh everybody else. Do you do the regular, like the long play, or do you do that speed chessy thing? Uh, well, <laughs> Uh, I, I play with whoever I can play with because uh, it, it. I I am not uh, I'm not in a place to be choosy, but uh, I would love to do speed chess. I would love to do the clock. I, I've got regular chess. Uh, I've got chess of a, a glass chessboard. I've got Muppet chess, Mario chess, Star Wars chess, uh, and because of watching the Queen's Gambit, I now have a, a very nice metal chessboard that's coming my way today from Amazon. Oh, really? So, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I did not know this. Okay, well, I'm going to start with a confession, which is I have never played chess. I do have a chessboard. It's one of the glass chessboards. It's oh, very pretty. Nice. It's on display. I have a chess room, but I have never played chess. You so have a chess room. A <laughs> I have a chess room. I will. It's a, you should come over. You should teach me. I would my like husband. a chess room. That's that's I, neat. 
Yes, a chess room at our beach house. Uh, I needed a theme, and it's a beautiful theme. I That's love a good the theme. theme. I like the theme. Mm-hmm. And um, but I have to tell you the reason why. So in third grade, I got for Christmas uh, the game Frogger. Are oh, you yes. familiar with Frogger? <laughs> Ma- many years spent playing Frogger. Yes. Anyway, I spent all of the second half of third grade playing Frogger to the exclusion of anything else. As one does. <laughs> yes. And then um, many years later, this is very embarrassing. I have no idea why. But uh, many years later, I discovered the um, Ice Age game, which was sort of like, I think, Farmville. I never played Farmville. But you, I don't know. It was kind of like a Sims sort of game. You raise animals and hatch eggs. And and same thing, got fired from my job because I couldn't go to work for like a week because I was playing the Ice Age game. As one does. Yes. So I have had a mortal fear of chess, a a desperate fascination and a simultaneous mortal fear, because I know once I start playing chess, I will become that person. As one does. So monotropism in action. I can just feel it. It's like the chess piece. I'm like, wah, wah, like you will be sucked into the vortex. Come to the vortex. And after Frogger and that whole third grade debacle, I promised I would never like get into a game again. So like I've purposely like I never did the World of Warcraft thing. I got invited to guilds. I really wanted to join the guilds. And I was like, I will not join a guild. I will not join a guild. And like I, I played D&D a little, but I like... Like at one point, somebody asked me to be a dungeon master. I'm like, I'm going to be, it, this is going to become my entire life. I can feel it. I said, no, same thing with diplomacy. I love me some diplomacy, but chess has always been on the list of don't touch. I, I somehow I fell off the wagon for the ice ages, ice age sim game. I know what happens to me and it is not great for my life. It's the sirens call. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I am like bashed up against the rocks. And so this is going to be an anthropological analysis. I I know a little too. I, I have fallen down the TikTok chess rabbit hole, which is real bad. <laughs> So I was going to say I know nothing, but I accidentally do know things. I know the directions, the pieces move. But if I get anything wrong about chess, since you actually know what the hell I'm talking about, please jump in and correct me. This is not going to be a chess tutorial. This is an anthropological look at one of the fascinations that I have not allowed myself to uh, fully immerse myself in. That That is awesome. Yeah, we'll go over all the, the pieces, the king, the queen, the bing bong, the chicky ba, and uh, all of the, what they're called, you know. Yes, all those things. So, but I want to start with the first thing that I ever knew before I even knew I knew about it. Um, but growing up, I was born in 1973. And growing up, I don't remember a single day where I did not know the name Bobby Fisher. Oh, yes. It's just like Bobby Fisher chess. Bobby Fisher chess. Eventually, Kasparov, Big Blue, Deep Blue, all those things. But Bobby Fisher chess. 
I always knew it. So he actually was born in 1943, started playing chess at the age of six, which is very common uh, for chess masters. They often start really young. By 13, he was the youngest player ever to win the U.S. Junior Chess Championship. And he became a grandmaster, which I just want to be a grandmaster so I can tell people I'm a grandmaster. I don't know if that's a good reason, but he was 15. I always so, thought that Flash played uh, chess and was a grandmaster. Yes, grandmaster. Yeah. Flash. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's yeah. to the hip hop, the hippy to the hippity hip hip hop. You don't stop. I'm glad you got that uh, reference. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, okay. It was 1972, just before I was born, where he won that world chess championship that made him a household name. It was just in the water. I know you're a youngin, so you wouldn't remember it, but it was just in the water. He, he, in that particular tournament, it was a face off against uh, Soviet Union's Boris Spassky, who was considered totally unbeatable. And that victory was sort of part of the Cold War, which again, growing up, the Cold War was just everywhere the whole time I was growing. I think we've talked about how in fifth grade, I didn't sleep the entire year because I was worried about the Russians and nuclear winter. And I accidentally watched, uh, um, uh, some ABC special about the day, the day after. after. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's it. That was it. I watched yeah. the day after. My parents told me I couldn't. I like peered through my door and I could see the TV and I watched it. And then I literally couldn't sleep for a year. And then luckily Sting came out with the Dream of the Blue Turtles and his song, The Russians. And I was finally able to sleep again because of his line, uh, if the Russians love their children too. So I'm very, very grateful to sing. I played that song 4,528 times on my Walkman. It was a bright yellow Sony Walkman and that song saved my life. Thank you, Sting. I'm still grateful. Uh, but Bobby Fischer was really a hero, an American hero of the Cold War because this chess game was sort of like a stand-in. I actually remember writing a paper once uh, about how we should replace war with chess. Ooh. I'm like, why do we have people kill each other? Why don't we just have chess games? And yeah, because then whoever war is essentially a strategy game with, you know, soldiers as pawns. Mm-hmm. Which is why we call but them pawns. We, right. And and like now I guess we're just going to use robots and and drones, but why don't we just use a chessboard was my theory. I'm yeah. like, that would... It doesn't have to be peace, but it doesn't have to be violent, people. Come on, think creatively. Yeah. So... Uh, that was the end of Soviet dominance. And it was really, uh, this was a period where chess, there, there are a lot of amazing women in chess. We're going to talk about uh, a female character uh, who's based on Bobby Fischer in a minute. But this was really a gentleman's game at the time. And there were many things about Bobby Fischer that are not gentlemanly which we will talk about very briefly because it be is fun. not the point. Uh, but uh, what Bobby Fischer was great at was like, there's rules. There's a very clear sense of moral order and fairness. And there's a lot of controversy now in chess about cheating. No one ever thought Bobby Fischer was going to cheat. Autistic people are really not big on cheating. 
it's just not a thing. Do they he have like was, an extra queen up their sleeve? What's going on there? Right. <laughs> exactly. So um, he was a, a gentleman uh, about chess and like very old school. And he was very inflexible. Right. As it, one it, is. Right. So black and white morality. And that really fit with the a chessboard. Chess. Aesthetic. Yes, exactly. That's fantastic. So here is, uh, so I think that one of the reasons why autistic people are attracted to chess is because it is black and white, often, literally. Um, It is also a a very quiet game. There's a lot of thinking. We're going to talk about a lot of the, the features that would be attractive. But Bobby Fischer himself, uh, although not diagnosed, there's much speculation, uh, to me is clearly autistic, not trying to diagnose him here, but certainly has many autistic traits. So I want to start with this quote from Bobby, uh, which I think sort of sums up some of autistic culture here. I don't keep any close friends. I don't keep any secrets. I don't need friends. I just tell everybody everything. That's all. So I do think he needs friends. I'm sorry, Bobby. He has told himself he doesn't need friends because there were a whole lot of people that didn't get him. And there's some comorbidities here as well. But the uh, I don't keep any secrets. I tell everybody everything. Yeah. That is very, that is very autistic. And so that was a big part of who he was. Now, he's obviously very complex. If you don't know about him, I'm not going to go into anything here, but he was often called intense and eccentric. Two words I continue to be called to this day. And his personality often overshadowed his accomplishments. And I know for me, a lot of my drive to success in all things is I've known I have this intense and eccentric and unlikable personality. So I'm going to prove my value with my accomplishments. Right. And then that doesn't always work. And I'm always shocked. I'm like, why would, why would this not matter? All the times I got fired, I got fired from every job I ever had. And when I would get fired, people would say, you're the smartest employee we ever had. You made us the most money. You had the best ideas, but you don't play well in the sandbox. And that yeah. matters. So once they'd extracted all the value out of me, then yeah. they spit me out. And that, in many ways, is what happened to Bobby Fisher. So there's all these comorbidities with mental illness and uh, OCD. Oh, but I wonder how much of that, co- those comorbidities come from being pressured to mask and being yeah. told you're intense and eccentric and trying to make up for that. Like, there's definitely mental illness issues there. Trying to follow the people rules, like following the chess rules. Right. Right. Like, what are these fucking rules? I can't figure them out. I'm going to follow them. And when he couldn't figure them out, he would often hide for days and days and days, even during chess tournaments in his hotel room. Yeah. So and then people would call him. What's the word for the people that hide like a hermit? Yeah. 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 But I'm like, yeah, maybe you just don't want to fuck shit up because you're like trying to have a chess tournament and small talk is not doing it for you. Yeah. And if you leave your hotel room and get into a conflict because you don't make eye contact or you're too loud or you're too bossy or whatever, you know, 
It's it's right. one of those things. So that's where we come up with many of us and, and a part of our culture. And I know it's part of our culture that you are actively trying to change, but it's like, I don't have any friends. I don't need friends. I'm just going to be alone here in my room. Or as I like to say, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Like that will keep us safe. But actually friends are incredibly important to us. But the consequence of having those friends and failing is so high that we often decide, well, I'll just focus on my special interest. I'll just focus on chess. Because that's safe. You know mm-hmm. chess. You know the rules of chess. You are successful at chess. It's like playing chess versus, I don't know, uh, playing cornhole. Completely different skills, completely different boards, everything about it, and you stick to what you know. And that's the thing, because uh, as of recording this, like a month ago, a study was published that says that we are actually more social than allistics. I think that's true. But oh, again, well, obviously there's a study that yeah, agrees yeah. with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but due to the fear of rejection, well, we learn early on that uh, people won't like us, so we become hermits. And that's why the allistics think that we're non-social, because we don't socialize in the way that they want us to. Right. And then we will say things like, I don't need friends. Exactly. Because socializing with people who have those holistic expectations, that's too stressful and you'll get it wrong. So why try? Right. Exactly. So then people make up stories about us. So one of of the stories that would get made up about Bobby Fischer being an asshole, which is how he was described, is he would play chess. Obviously, lots of attention on him. Household name. Uh, loves chess. It's a special interest. After the chess match, they want to do a press conference. Oh, God. And Bobby Fischer would literally run as fast as he could away from the cameras. So he's like not grateful, not gracious. He's just running away from this unstructured environment. Yeah. Because he knows when he gives an interview, he's going to mess it up. Yeah. So uh, he was often talked about not being empathetic. Uh, They would use that word. He's probably extra empathetic. Uh, Talked about friendship. So three big features I want to point out about Bobby Fischer here. Number one, deep interest and excellence in a special interest starting at a super young age. Number two, preference for uh, structure rules, order. And then number three, this, I don't need friends thing, which is really, I, I, I have trained myself not to need friends. This is my opinion a little bit here because it's so painful because people don't get me. Yeah. Yeah. The rejection is killer. And and that's the thing about, you know, with us and the holistics, because uh, when, when you find the autistic community, when you find people who get you, you can be a delightful human being and talk about all of the interesting things that you want to talk about. And they'll say, oh, my, what a wealth of information that was. I love that info dump. But the uh, the holistics will say, boy, what an asshole. I can't believe anyone wanted to talk that long about, I don't know. Chess. Yeah, there, <laughs> there you go. That, because that's that's the thing. I just, so it, then- it can be painful. It sort of makes sense that he has all these mental health issues, particularly later in life when he's like less focused on honing his craft. And then those mental health issues are real, but are they, is it the chicken or the egg? Yeah. 
And that's the thing. It's, it's a spiral because it, it contributes to itself. This is a big reason why so many autistic people that, why we have a life expectancy of 36 because mm-hmm. things spiral out of control quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I never know where to put this in, but we can't not talk about it, but we're not going to talk about it for long. Dude was definitely an anti-Semite. This is not an autistic thing. It's always tough to bring up anti-Semitism because how do you segue into, you know, who I hate? It's a thing. Yeah. So I am well aware Bobby Fischer was an anti-Semite. I am aware of his controversial statements on the Jews. That is not what this podcast episode is about, but I agree with you. Feel free to flame me in the comments if you need. I'm not trying to absolve him or Walt Disney of their anti-Semitic attitudes. But what I am trying to point out here is how key to developing the the chess world uh, autism is, chess chess excellence here. So we're going to skip over that part, but I'm not really skipping over that part. I don't know how it connects to autistic culture, but we got two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that's the thing. And because again, with, with people who are self-loathing, they loathe other people. Mm. And if you, if, if you hate yourself, if you have the internalized ableism, if people say that you're weird, that you're different, that you shouldn't be loved, it eventually that's going to spiral out and target somebody. And it's going to be whatever population that uh, is convenient. So whether it's, Autistic people, whether it's Jewish people, whether it's trans people, whether it's gay people, somebody is going to hate somebody if they hate themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So I don't believe that Bobby Fischer had all the support that he needed and led to some darkness, but the chess mastery is undisputed, indisputed, not disputable. And he was the uh, the character, Beth Harmon, in the Netflix series from 2020, The Queen's Gambit, was loosely based on Bobby Fischer. He was an influence, uh, Kasparov, who is a chess master from the 80s, uh, was a major consultant on The Queen's Gambit. Neat. Uh, but it is the story of this world chess champion from the 1960s. And it goes through uh, all of the challenges that Beth faces as she navigates this male-dominated, this gentleman sport, this world of chess. And she's got her own demons. Some of them are maybe autistic comorbidities, but also just a crazy mom and well actually her mom might be autistic too never thought about that yeah yeah that, that's the thing that's what that's the impression that i got when watching the show also uh because i grew up in lexington uh, i got a lot of the place references and the references to the newspaper and the uh, tv uh, and it was like oh wow this is strangely inside my head so uh, i was i was very much the leonardo dicaprio meme pointing at the tv and saying oh i get that also, uh, her best friend in the orphanage later played uh, Riva on the Obi Wan Kenobi series. So, and uh, uh, Anna Taylor Joy is uh, now Princess Peach in the Mario movie, and she played Magic, Elania uh, uh, Rasputin from the X Men in the New Mutants movie, where she has a soul sword. So, you know, I was waiting for them to duel at some point because yes. yeah, that's how my brain goes. 
Well, but, they yeah. dueled with chess, but not not with uh, lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, but it, I, 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 I was very captivated by the movie a, a lot because uh, the mom comes across as very, very autistic. Uh, I literally just realized that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even the whole time I watched it. I was just like, oh, she's crazy, but she wasn't. That wasn't just mental illness. No, she she was brilliant. She had very poor uh, social stuff with her ex. It was. Well, and that's the thing. She was trying to, quote, solve a problem, trying to figure out how to get out of a problem. But again, a lot of people who don't have social, a lot of autistic people who don't have social support have a shortened life expectancy. Spoiler alert, like uh, uh, this character, Beth's mom. Yeah. And and again, a lot of autistic people have substance abuse difficulties. That's what I wanted to talk about next. So great segue. Uh, her mom has addiction issues and actually Beth, the character of Beth ends up having some addiction issues, uh, not showing up to a bit or showing up kind of wasted or whatever. Where do you tie in addiction and how does that fit in? to autism? Oh, well, uh, two things on that. Uh, Beth's adopted mother, too. I was fascinated by her accent because her accent is very autistic, especially with the very pedantic, precise speech, the, 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 the modulation of the speech. I don't know if it's something the actress brought. I don't know if it's something that just happened to be there or if they intended on that. Because, again, I because the author grew up in Kentucky in my stomping grounds, I did a lot of research for this. Uh, and it turns out that, yeah, the author very much sounds like he might be one of us. And there's a lot of other things that he's done. Uh, but, you know, but, but, but anyway, yeah, the substance abuse stuff, we, because of our hyperconnected brains, because of our hyperconnected amygdala, because of our hyperconnected mirror neurons, we have a lot of empathy. We have very intense emotions. When we are happy, we are very, very happy. When we are sad, we are very, very sad. And sometimes people look for a way to numb those emotions because those emotions are not either socially acceptable or tolerable because we, we don't have a way to we, we don't have a dial to turn it down. Allistic people don't feel things as intensely just because that's how allistic people are wired. We feel things intensely all the time because that's how we're wired. And because of that, a lot of people, especially depressed people, especially anxious people, uh, like in the movie Beth, needed these uh, uh, phenobarbitals, I think. In order yeah, to, that's what it was, the magic vitamins. Yeah, the magic vitamin. vitamins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to sleep. And she would just get handfuls of them so she could zone out. Because, yeah, again, it, we can't turn off our brains at night. We Number yes. one, we've got the autistic inertia because it takes us a long time to wind down unless we're just completely exhausted, which is a thing we sometimes do. Mm -hmm. uh, and number two, we'll just sit there and rehearse the day or script or, you know, do what, or have the ennui where we think about all the depressing things about the world and our mortal existence and we just can't get to sleep. And when you need a good podcast in order to get out of it, you know, it's listen to this one or yeah. listen to Sting's dream of the blue turtles. Album. Exactly. Because <laughs> the monotropism, we can't get off that train. And that's, that's how we work. And that causes lack of sleep, causes more anxiety, which causes bigger emotions, which causes more lack of sleep. And when you're in that spiral, it can look like psychosis because we just don't get the restoration that we need. Mm. And so therefore, there are a lot of autistic people who have substance abuse difficulties. 
self-medicating, trying to make the make the autistic inertia stop, trying to make the spinning out stop. And and I do love, I was going to talk about this later, but it's a good time to talk about it now is when Beth is laying in bed and she's planning out those chess moves. First of all, it's like a great film technique to kind of teach chess almost like you're watching the games develop, but also you can see how she can't stop it. Like she wants to go to sleep. She needs to go to sleep, but she's playing out in her head, all these moves. And if you haven't seen the queen's gambit, it's almost like the visions of sugar plums dancing in her head. You'll see above her head, a chessboard projected and she plays out all the various scenarios which is like for me this reminded me i i moved briefly uh away uh when i had a baby i moved to be close to my mom and i left dc and i went to connecticut and i really really missed dc and i would lay in bed and I would plan out obscure traffic routes, like from one yeah. suburb to another. So I'd be like, okay, if you had to get from Gaithersburg, Maryland to Silver Spring, Maryland, and it was 5.30 on a Friday, which way could you go? And I would plan out these traffic routes and I would actually see in my head like a map and all the different ways I could go. Zoop, zoop. And then I'd see the traffic and I'd try and pick the best way. And I find like sometimes I will get actually stuck when I'm trying to pick a route because I can see so many routes and then I can see so many permutations that I will literally be paralyzed of making a decision because I can play. It's why I can't take multiple choice tests. Yeah, yeah. Because I look at answer A and I'm like, oh, 10 ways that's true. Answer B, oh, there's three ways that's true. Exactly. Answer C, like that's wrong. Okay, now I have to write an essay. Like, and, <laughs> and that's four big things in itself because number one, when I do autism tests, I uh, give a big test that has 388 multiple choice questions. And inevitably, people are going to say, well, I don't know if I could write it out. I, it's just overwhelming to choose between them. But also that leads to process complexity because we see all the variables and all the minutiae in, and uh, all these details that most people don't see and it becomes overwhelming for us. And this leads into a thing that we call scripting because we plan out everything ahead of time. Okay, so there's this, because of our hyper-connected brain and all of this influx of data that we see, we have a thing called the intense world theory. Mm-hmm. And because of the intense world theory, we're constantly combing through variables, combing, combing through data, trying to figure out the best thing to do at every time. And uh, there is a, a, an autistic TikToker named Kat Pollock who came up with the term uh, expectation sensitivity. When we have expectation sensitivity, because because of this chaos, we we are constantly trying to navigate how best to deal with the chaos and figure out what to expect. So we become very sensitive and try to plan out the routes. We try to plan out the moves. We try to plan out all of this stuff ahead of time. Everything, everything, all at once. Yes, because that's that's the only way that we can survive a chaotic world. But then that can be very paralyzing and lead to inaction or the decision that laying on your couch is a better solution because then you will not bump into all the variables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doing nothing is better than doing something because at least uh, doing nothing, you won't get hurt by the variables. 
Yes, exactly. And then Beth definitely goes through that and sometimes leads to substance abuse and even, well, we'll talk about it, but maybe some like she has a little bit of sexual promiscuity, which is maybe escapism or potentially strategy to get the moves and the scoop on the players, one or the other. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the, the guy that she goes after is Ferb from Phineas and Ferb. And, oh, I love that show. Yeah, and and he's still, and the kid from Love Actually, and he still looks like he's five. So, right. yeah, I, I like that kid. I, I don't remember his name in real life, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Ferb. Yes, we'll just call him Ferb. So this character is totally fictional. They, they Actually, women in the 60s were completely excluded from competitive chess yeah. uh, until the 1980s when Hungarian grandmaster Judith Polgar broke into the top 10 of the world chess rankings. And she's amazing. And I think her granddaughter is now a chess player. So, Neat. Um, yes, very cool. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So, um, I don't know if you know this. A friend, friend of the pod, Devin Price, uh. wrote a little bit about The Queen's Gambit back in 2020 when it first came out. And here is what he said, and you'll see how it ties in with his later book. Oh, neat. Let's see here. Like so many media portrayal of autistics, Beth Harmon is shown to be singularly focused on her special interest, competitive chess. She's blunt and emotionally withdrawn, unable to understand other people's feelings, or so lost in her obsession as to not care. All these traits are pretty common among autistic characters on TV. It's still fairly rare to see that these traits, uh, to see these traits ascribed to women. So in that way, Beth Harmon is a breath of fresh air. But what's really unique and enchanting about Beth is that she is so much messier than the hyper-focused genius with autism stereotype. She loves blowing her tournament winnings on beautiful dresses and lavish makeup. She overdoses into a stupor and shows up to a high-stakes chess match hungover. She doesn't believe society's rules apply to her, and to an extent they don't, because she is so removed from the rest of humanity by virtue of her talent and neurotype. Beth is an impressive, self-destructive asshole, and I've really related to such an autistic character so much. That's so awesome. I love that. I love that quote. And I love uh, Beth is a really robust, well-written character um, based on Walter Tevis's 1983 book, but lots of great input and adaptations and obsessive thinking is a big piece of this. Obviously, chess is her special interest, also at a young age when she taps into it, uh, has a special teacher that uh, comes into her life that teaches her chess, but then she really goes into it on her own and it plays out in many ways. Uh, Even if you don't like chess, you will for sure like this movie. But I wanted to highlight uh, how Beth and Bobby both recommend uh, represent autistic culture through chess because chess is kind of like Legos and trains and oh, Star yeah. Trek. Chess is the, I would say, the national game of autistic culture. 
I, I, I just, uh, I want to call out the moment when Beth meets the custodian who teaches her chess. Mm. And it's, it's a oh, beautiful I said a teacher, yeah. but it's actually the custodian. I yeah. forgot that. I, I love that. It's the ultimate autistic thing there where Beth very flatly says, what is that game? And he very flatly says, it is chess. And she says, I want to play chess. You cannot play chess. I want to play chess. We shall play chess. So <laughs> it's just very, very, very flat, very, you know, not emotional. But at the same time, uh, she finds out years later that he keeps a scrap wall of all of her, you know, appearances in the newspaper and all of this and all that. He cared for her very, very deeply, didn't show it. She cared for him very, very deeply, didn't show it. Such intense emotions all over the place. They, they bonded through chess. When she beats him, he gets upset. She, he won't talk to her for a week. And then she comes back and he teaches her more chess and then introduces her to chess friends. And this is the way that they bond through their special interests because they have this very, very deep, considerate, wonderful relationship through this, the, this method of chess. And that is, that is how we relate to each other. And it's so beautiful to see that somebody gets it. So they had to have had some really good consultants on this because I, I could feel, because again, most most representation of autistic and media are like the Big Bang Theory, where I just really want to smother myself. I hate right. it so much. But, Same. you know, this this was just delightful. I, 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 and again, it lured me in by being set in my hometown. So kudos to you all on that. Well done. You got me there. But, it's, but I stayed for these really, really well done relationships with that. It was so neat and so fun to watch it. Yeah. And obviously lots of autistic people involved because uh, there's not. <laughs> the chess people, yeah. Right, exactly. You can see when we are kind of written by neurotypicals pretty easily. So. Oh, yeah. I think that makes it much more enjoyable because we don't have to argue at the screen and throw things, which it's easier to concentrate on the story when you're not violently throwing things at your television screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like her friends, she does spend a lot of money on like the, the lavish dresses and stuff and, you know, does a lot of stuff. But when she hangs out with her friends, uh, they, they might uh, drink, they might smoke. But they get together and play speed chess. And yeah. it's all very exciting to listen to music and play speed chess and do the thing that they love to do. And it's it's not portrayed as, you know, a weird, like, look at this interesting thing. It's just, yeah, they're so passionate about it. And when they call her up from Russia uh, to Russia and say, hey, they, they don't say, hey, how you doing? So how you feeling? Are things right. they say, I found your answer. Oh, the answer. Mm -hmm. And they just get right to it. And there is yeah, no right small talk anywhere. It's, we love that. Would you like the sex? Yes, I want the sex. This really? is how we do it. it it's <laughs> so great. And yeah. I, I felt... It, and it's not often that I relate to a character like that. And it's so fun to you watch. You and Devin Price. Exactly. It's so right. good. Yeah. And yeah. Beth is impress an impressive, self-destructive asshole. And I've rarely related to an autistic character so it's much. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, we need, uh, like, there's this documentary, Harmon Town, about Dan Harmon. Uh, oh. Self-destructive asshole. Wonderful, wonderful. You, you should check it out. But but back to chess. Yeah, it's I love it so much. 
Steve Jobs, impressive and self-destructive. Yeah, that, that yeah. could be. We need impressive and self-destructive in Latin for our like money. Yeah, yeah. Instead of in God we trust, we can have impressive and self-destructive. I like That's that. That's us. Very <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. So Italian people have Scopa. Irish people have the card game Twenty Five. Autistica has chess. Oh, that is the that is the contention of today's episode. And I, there are many reasons. If you look at why this is our national game, our national board game. Although we like lots of board games, but I would say this is our national game. And I mentioned earlier we we've talked a lot about libraries being oh, our, yes. our national building of choice, but chess is a quiet game and it it requires but also sets you up for emotional regulation while you're playing so like you know what is not our national fucking game is pickleball like everybody (laughs) chill the hell out it's too loud there's yelling i think drinking is involved i don't know clip clop clip clop i don't know what the fuck is happening but i can't play that game that is too much for me but chess, I can be emotionally regulated and then I get to tap into all the different permutations, all the different strategies. There's minimal socializing. When we do socialize, it is to communicate. This is the next move. Yeah. Your turn. And it's also incredibly civil because, again, all throughout the series, whenever, no matter how bad a beating she gives someone, no matter how embarrassing it is, they always shake hands and appreciate, like, like this kid that I knew. Uh, kid beat me every single time, but I couldn't be anything but impressed because... That's a magnificent strategy. Well done, sir. Oh my, that is so good. It's not Didn't see it, it. It's not about ego. It's about the love of the game and the strategy and seeing new moves and learning new things and this this appreciation for the skill involved. And that's Yeah, I that's think we we've, we've talked about this very often like one of the socializing challenges that I've had in the workplace is I will see a problem I will then come up with a unique solution. I will then publicly present my unique and amazing solution. And then I am expecting flowers. I have this feeling in my body like someone's going to give me a handshake and say, good job, sir. And instead I get fired and I'm like, wait, what? To, but you said you had a problem and I uniquely solved it. And why am I not being celebrated? But in chess, this is a space where when you find a unique solution to ch- like when you 64 squares on the board and you figure out a different way to move a piece that I didn't see, I'm going to shake your hand. Yeah. And that is such like the grounding of autistic culture is if you prove me wrong, I honor you. Yeah. Like if you've actually done the mental, if you can convince me it's not the guns, if you can yeah. actually yeah. show me yeah. some facts and data that it's not the guns and win me over, I will shake your motherfucking hand. My my, my ex was very, very frustrated that uh, I would often be right about things and she would have the, the ego. And uh, when uh, she was right, I was like, oh, yes, you're correct. That's right. And like, yeah, and they she, don't find that satisfying. Yeah, that's the thing. exactly like there should be groveling or like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. We will do it that way from now on because like I'm genuinely that is correct. You are, didn't yeah, see it. I, I it was my mistake. I didn't see it. You are absolutely correct because it's it's about the data. It's about fa- being factually correct. And yeah, that's that's 
And, and again, like, you know, Beth's mom, I have a problem to solve, needed to solve the problem that, that we are just very direct about those things. Yeah, I I love being wrong and I love arguing as my friends and family will tell you. This is because the way. it's like, yeah, if I if you can prove me wrong, I have learned something, I have grown, I have expanded and neurotypical people or holistic people, I should say, tend to seem to not enjoy the arguing. Yeah, it, it's about being right versus understanding what is right. It, instead mm. of finding the correct solution, they want the prestige of th- this is the reason why I really, really hate like uh, philosophy and straw man arguments and all that nonsense because it- it's a way of arguing to be right instead of having a factual basis in rightness. Oh, like what aboutism? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it like what about the this? Well, what about mental health? Yeah, yeah, yeah like you're okay. changing the topic about, to something that's an easier target. What about the fact he was a Nazi? Exactly. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, got you. We don't have to only talk about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very it's a, exhausting. It is. It like, is. So you don't actually want to know the answer. You don't want to get to the bottom of it. You just want to feel smug. Exactly. It's like taking a bishop off the uh, off, off the board and replacing it with an Uno card and say, but what if I play four? And you're like, well, I know that you think that's a smooth move, my friend. It doesn't make any damn sense. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Nishema Muhammad is a chess player from the Maldives. And this is what she is. She is also autistic. And this is Ah. what she says. Chess, for me, is less a game of tactics and strategies and more about observing a person's style of approaching problems that are not always apparent in your everyday mundane socializing. It opened up an alternative route to human understanding through which I could psychoanalyze someone without having to have a conversation. I, I see that. Yeah, that, right? that is a, that's a problem solving approach to socialization. Yes. And so from there, I want to talk about uh, autistic problem solving. We talked about this in the Sherlock episode. I'll link that in the show notes. If you didn't listen to the Sherlock episode, go back because we go into this much more. But uh, Sherlock is all about inductive reasoning. I I think there's a connection between inductive reasoning and bottom up thinking. And this goes back to Beth laying in bed and playing out all those different moves. So bottom up thinking is when you actually take things step by step and you start with the details. So when we look at inductive reasoning, you're going to start with those de- those specific observations, the specific examples before you reach a conclusion. So top down, you are looking at kind of a whole in a holistic way. You're looking at the whole board. So in chess, this might be considering the overall strategy of the game. I'm going to control the center of the board. I'm going to protect the king. Uh, as opposed to thinking about what is each individual next move. So most, and the, if you meet one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, but in autistic culture, we value facts and data and details. So we use a lot of inductive reasoning and bottom-up thinking. And the way we build a chess game is going to come by looking at 
every individual piece on the board, considering every possible movement. And when another move is made, now some options have been taken off, some new ones have been put on. Now, which is why I asked you earlier, do you play speed chess or do you play the regular kind of without the timer? Because give us all the time in the world. We want to consider every single permutation because we're going to use that bottom-up approach as opposed to if you came to chess and you were thinking, no matter what, I'm going to protect my king. You're going to make decisions in the moment that are very different than if you're using bottom-up thing. You're like, well, if I do this, then he'll do this. And if I do this, now he'll do this. And if I do this, he'll do this. This is the way. Yeah, your bottom-up thinking fan. Very much so. Very with with chess and literally everything else in life. Same. Same. Yeah. And that yeah. this is the thing about how they program chess uh, computers because the, like Deep Blue, uh, everything is about, well, you have made that move. Now, if I make this move or this move or this move or this move and going through all the permutations of it. And that's why, you know, powerful computers are able to play chess so well because that's how they think. They go through billions of permutations before making a move and then you make a move and then we change everything. And that's, of course, you know, who programs the AI? Autistic people. (laughs) Well, that is probably true, but... Uh, okay, I bias, bias, autistic bias, but like very much so. Don't, yes, don't we program it that way because it's the right way to do things? Th- this is the thing. This is the thing. We program computers based on how we think. If then statements, go to statements, all of this stuff. Computer languages were invented by our people because mm-hmm. they are our brain children. And this is this is one thing that I came to a while ago because uh, I know that you saw this uh, when uh, I, it came, I came to the realization that humans fear AI because either A, uh, it will destroy us because it's better than us, or B, it won't destroy us because it's better than us. And they they might come to the conclusion that we are little meat animals and they say, well, we don't really need to kill all the meat animals because, you know, they're just there. And that would be horrifying for humanity to realize that we are so barbaric that we would destroy the things that we don't understand. But it won't. Mm. And that this is the thing, because it's programmed with these these things of, you know, just calculating the variables and saying, well, if it does this and this does this, and it can compute so much faster than us that it's, well, if the humans get to be a problem, we'll take care of it then. But everything's nice for now. Look at the little meat puppets, the children of Tesla. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. So a lot of people will describe Bobby Fischer and the character of Beth Harmon as having exceptional memories. Ooh. 
for the details of chess. And I do think, and there are names, <laughs> I, you probably know them, but there's like the, the something, the, the Count Dracula move. Like people know when I watch the chess TikToks, there are all these names for certain, oh, she's using the something, something opening, the Italian King opening. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. yeah. But it, but they memorize like the first, whatever, 15 moves. Uh-huh. Do you know? Do you know of which I yeah. speak? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the, the the like again, the Queen's Gambit, uh, the the Romanov. Oh, the maneuver. Queen's Gambit is yeah. an actual one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Great example. Yeah. So, okay, I know it's memory. I do know it's memorizing, but I don't know if it's actually autistic people have a better memory than not autistic people. Because I actually, personally, I have a pretty shitty memory in general, especially about like remembering to go to the bathroom, for instance. Interception. Okay. He's like, I have things to say, but I just want to say like, when it comes to my special interest, I don't even know if it's memorizing how it feels is like, I just fucking get it. Well, well, I mean, it's like Dr. Who. I love every episode and every season, everything. And I love my favorite character. You know, what's her name? Uh, with like, you know, <laughs> I couldn't remember uh, Catherine Tate's uh, character, Donna Noble, right, to save Donna my Noble. life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things. And uh, we, we, it, it depends on the thing. And uh, yeah, it, I don't know. There's some sort but of But I feel like this frustrates allistics because you literally remember every number one song from the 1980s by <laughs> month, starting <laughs> with January 1st, 1980, but you can't remember my birthday? Yeah. Doesn't that seem like... like it seems like bullshit, right? See, that's why they call us narcissistic. They're yeah. like, oh, she's super selfish. But when it's my special interest, I'm not sitting there writing down, okay, the queen's gambit. These are the moves. These are the squares. Let me remember, okay, E1, let me create a mnemonic. It's yeah. not like that. I'm like, oh, I get it. It's yeah, because that's the thing. Due to our monotropic focus, we enter a flow state really easily. And during that flow state, we can make all sorts of neat neural pathways and just record and record and record nonstop while, while we're in there. It's kind of neat. Right. But it doesn't mean I don't love you if I forget your birthday, which I am highly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. Forget. It's not a thing. But again, uh, it, whether if we're not in that flow state, then we may or may not remember it. That's right. that's why my phone has twenty alarms on it. You know. Yes, correct. Same. Okay. So there is a theory about this. Why are we so good at picking out these patterns? And I don't know if Ooh. you uh, know about this one. Stereotypical pattern I, recognition. Uh, well, we're going to talk about uh, prosopagnasia. Oh, neat. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Yes. Okay. So I did this um, brain. What the hell was it? <laughs> it was some sort of brain. They did a brain scan, brain analysis, and it was this like brain training thing. And when they scanned my brain, I was with an holistic friend who's also a hypnotherapist. And so we were able to compare our brain scans and they scanned our brains like three different ways and three different machines. And they looked at them and there was this one part of my brain. So it's like everything was lit up green, yellow, or red. But this one part of my brain was totally black. And, and Erica's wasn't. 
And they like called everyone over, like all these neuroscientists from the best schools and they're all Dr. Drew. It wasn't the famous Dr. Drew, but Dr. Drew was like the head guy. They had to get the head guy and they're like, what is the gray? Like, we've never seen this. There's no activity in this area of the brain. And everyone had to gather around and we were comparing it to Erica's, which was lit up green. And they're like, do you do do this? Do you do this? Like, this is the part of the brain that does this thing. And you don't, there's no activity there. We don't know what this means. So um, this uh, prospagnasia is face recognition. Yeah. Now, I... Am I, I'm the only person I know that says this regularly. I never forget a name. Yeah. I spell all names correctly and I never forget someone's name. And usually I never forget a voice. If you put Lady Gaga in a lineup right now, yeah. my sweet baby Jesus, I could not pick her out. Yeah. She got to sing for me because I don't know what that lady looks like. Yeah. I try so hard. I got nothing. I think that this is a big reason why uh, my beard and my glasses have become an important part of me because I literally can't oh recognize God, if you myself. Shaved, I would not. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. I'm already horrified. Yeah. When my beard started to go gray, I, I spent a year while I was doing the autistic circus documentary, and I, I was like, "Well, I'll try without the beard." But I was like, after a few months, I started to grow it back. So there's going to be a part in the documentary where I'm beardless oh no. and then going into a beard. So depending on how they go, but oh that's the no. thing. I can't recognize myself without the glasses and a beard. It's like a total, you know, Clark Kent and Superman, uh, he would be safe with me. I would not understand. I went to my son's graduation and I, I know my son. I love my son. I see his happy face. I see his frustrated face. But when he was at school, he had such a blank face. At first, I did not recognize him. I, I was like, I, I know he's I in that group. I confused my child. I like hugged the wrong child. And it's very funny. My son's last name is Malhotra. And there was another kid at his school named Albert Malhotra. And he's Jesse Malhotra. And I literally saw Albert. I was like, hi, honey. He gave him a big hug. The kid looks so stunned. Thank you. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I have not been able to recognize my child. Yeah. 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 It, it took me until I was like, Emmett over here. And he goes, ah, and it gets his happy face on. I recognized the happy face, but I had to look at his shoes to see who, which he was, which kid he was. Cause it just, that expression, I didn't get it. I just, uh, it's so, and, and that's the well, thing with, with my guy. Yeah. Let me tell you, this has been correlated. The inability to recognize faces is correlated with a heightened ability to recognize shapes, objects, colors, and patterns. Fascinating. And we think this is because of a shift in cognitive processing. So all of the energy that would be used to recognize faces, and I bet you Beth Harmon and Bobby Fisher both sucked at recognizing faces, it gives you an increased ability to recognize patterns. Ooh. And visual thinking. So when you add bottom-up thinking to pattern-based thinking, when you take away all the energy that coming up with a top-down theory and being able to recognize faces would give you, you now have all, all this expanded energy at bottom-up thinking, creating patterns, recognizing patterns. I like that. 
I like that a lot. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, again, with the thing with the names, when I do a report, I, I remember names associated with their special interests and all the cool, unique things. I, I can't pick people out of a lineup. I, I just, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people might say, oh, hi, Matt. I, I like, uh, like, oh, why, thank you. Uh, who are you? I'm the guy who likes trucks. Oh, neat, the truck guy. I like that. But faces, nothing. I, right, yeah. not just neat, the truck guy, but neat, the truck guy. Did you ever get that Model XYZ123 exactly. that you were talking exactly. about on October 12th when I was wearing a blue shirt and we were standing in the sun, like... Yeah. I can go. That's that's the only way that I can get in with that because that's 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 who people are to me. People are their and that that's the way we socialize too. People are their special interests. Right. Yeah. Right. So not our meat bodies. Uh, we we don't do the meat bodies. So when we look at how the media tell the stories of autistic people, they like to focus on our social difficulties. Um, And I think it, I don't know, makes better TV maybe than what we're doing here. But Beth struggles to make friends. She isolates herself. She doesn't have friends in this orphanage. Like we're looking at all those things, but we're missing Oh, what, and, and actually this show does a really good job of it. But when she can't see those social cues, when she can't spend time on the, hey, how are you, small talk BS, what she is doing instead is developing this special interest, leaning into the patterns, leaning into the inductive thinking. And what that means, if you love an autistic person, I love this scene from The Queen's Gambit, is... Uh, her friend, she has this friend, Jolene, and she doesn't, she doesn't even know Jolene is upset. Why? Because she's patterns, inductive reasoning, special interest, monotropism flow. And when Jolene explicitly tells her, which if you love an autistic person, can you just please explicitly tell them if you're mad? Yeah. The way she handles it is fine. She's like all in. She wants to fix it. She's not, we're not selfish. We're not dismissive. We just didn't fucking notice. Yeah. And, and the scene later on when uh, uh, she has sex with the, the guy that, uh, like the chess guy. And yeah, they start, yeah, yeah. They start a little relationship. Johnny but or... Again, he doesn't get that emotional reciprocity thing. And she's like, hey, I made you food. I'm leaving. Why? And she doesn't get that, you know, she's focused on chess. She loves chess. He he loves her. And she's like, oh, yes, we could love chess together like a threesome because, you know, they're like, oh, yes, we're both. And, and that's the thing about uh, uh, the, the reporter dude and uh, the Ferb, because they both also love chess and they bond mm-hmm. through their love of chess. And that this is a thing about, you know, the loving an autistic person means loving their special interest as you would another human being, understanding yeah. why that's important. And again, go back to that inductive reasoning is there's a reason I picked my special interest. Mm-hmm. Would you like to know it? I will yes. give you each and every detail along yes. the way. There is this reason. So if you aren't going to listen to the details of the reason why I picked my special interest, mm-hmm. then you don't understand why this is such a good special interest. Then I am likely to act dismissive of you because you are being in my culture dismissive of me. You don't yes. want to hear the reasons why I picked chess or Phineas and Ferb or Star Trek. 
They are Literally, who we are. Literally, because I have lots of reasons, and they are who we are. That was yes. my point. Yes, yes, yes. If you're not going to listen, no, we can't just talk about the weather. And I am going to be a fucking asshole. Yeah. Because you're, you know, people will say like, oh, you're blunt. You're, you're not thinking about the impact your words might have. And I might, and, and my feeling is like, holistic people, a lot of times waste my time and they are, (laughs) they are dismissive of my interests. Yes. Yes. And this is the last point that I want to make here, which is this is the double empathy problem. Yes, very much so. They're in their culture in Japan. I don't know why they do that. And in my culture over here in the USA, they don't understand why I do this. These are two cultures, holistic culture and autistic culture. And we are not always going to get each other. But if we are going to live live together. And if you love an autistic person or you are an autistic person, if you are an autistic person, you're living in holistic culture. So you probably learned it. Um, but if you love an autistic person and you want to know why they seem rude or abrasive or blunt and maybe ask a question. Or yes. Two. Yeah. Uh, take a moment to learn about us, won't you? Yes. Might I invite you? And if you are here, congratulations. You've won a little ally badge. You've leveled up today. Yeah. Uh, I am very excited you are here to join us. Um, Matt, when I can get a year off, I'm going to learn chess (laughs) and then I'm going to spend a year just playing chess, but I will have to go to every tournament, meet every chess player, take every class, read every book. And this, all the things. This is the way. Because this is the way. Yeah. So. Anyway, tell me something you loved about being autistic. This I week. will show you for the people on YouTube. If you're not Ooh. on YouTube, check it out. Let's see here. Oh, I have knocked over a lightsaber. Oh, no. There's another one where that came from. Lightsaber goes there. And this. So, as you know... I recently did a roundtable with Devin Price at uh, the Spartansburg Library in South Carolina. And Second shout out for Devin Price on the show. We'll look, we'll uh, link his book in the show notes. <laughs> and and uh, John Davis, uh, the librarian there, uh, wrote such a heartfelt note. And I I, I shout out to you, sir. I. That note, it took me days to reply because I was still processing it because I'm not used to people saying that's such nice things. I proudly welcome you into our culture. Uh, they, they 3D printed a library dragon for me. Oh, and my God. What a, is happening? A <gasps> rainbow library dragon printed at the library, birthed in the library. This library dragon is now in my library. A, a beautiful, radiant, opalescent, uh, shiny, shiny uh, library dragon. That I is, am crying. I am crying. <gasps> yeah, yeah. And and uh, they, they also included, for Emmett, this uh, train ornament. Because Aww. Spartansburg is a a hub of seven different train lines. And this is uh, from the heart pine wood flooring removed from the Southern Railway caboose. So this piece of train was once part of a train like Bruno. 
And <gasps> it's it's such oh, and they included some magazines and brochures and all sorts of stuff because they included information about the trains, which you know I love. <laughs> Yes. So, so I now have magazines about trains and pamphlets about the trains and pamphlets about the library and, and my new library dragon and my new train. And, uh, they, they are Emmett's new train. Emmett's new train. Emmett's new train. Yes. Cause I'll just keep it safe. Right. Yes. But, but yes, they, yeah, he, he will definitely get to play with it and he will see the library dragon and treasure. He's, he's very, very careful with everything because he's like me. Yeah. But, uh, introducing these to our life, I could not be more grateful. I am just delighted with wow. the Spartansburg crew and I give a shout out to them because it's, I, I have never had such nice gifts and they are, they are wonderful and they have hallowed places within my own library. Aww, so this library that is dragon, the best. yes, I just, yeah, I am overwhelmed with gratitude and I must give a shout out. And that was by far the best uh, autistic uh, moment of my week. Cause I mean, check this out. Isn't that cool? It's amazing. Uh, Amazing. So normally in the comments, we want to hear, I don't know, do you play chess or something? But I'm going to give you guys a special opportunity in the comments today to shout out your favorite library or librarian. Matt has shouted out his. I'm going to shout out mine, Wallingford Public Library, Bobby Borney. We love librarians. We love libraries. Put your favorite library or librarian in the comments. We want to celebrate libraries. That is the best gift I ever did see. Yeah, yeah. I I, I could not say more. I am over the moon. They are, it's just wonderful. Amazing. All right. We'll see you guys back here next week. Thanks for joining us on the Autistic Culture Podcast. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S dot com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in licensed psychological practitioner dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.